We are here. Yeah, we're back. We, who's here? Who is here? Who is here? Who is it? It's oh, it's me. It's you. It's you. Sveta, actually Sveta. Now, no one does any. I don't even think anybody calls me Anthony. It feels really weird. If someone calls me Anthony now. Yeah, I don't really. I don't call you Anthony at all. I call you Sveta. Has anyone called you Tony? Because if so, we should like outcast them. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's actually for my uh, nieces Family? and nephews. Yeah, now, I'm Uncle. I'm Uncle Tony to them, so I'm that's... not like Uncle Anthony. So. <laughs> Uncle Tony. Yeah, it has a little it has a little ring to it. So we're keeping it Uncle. They're like, we had to come up with this. We had a discussion like as like as like my sister and her husband and then and then myself. We were like, so do you want to go by Anthony or Tony? Because we're going to set this precedent while we're on vacation. And I was just like, let's just do Tony. I was like, it sounds better when we just say Uncle Tony. <laughs> yeah, and then when you get old, like you'll be like Uncle Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it don't fit. Like that's cool as fuck. <laughs> I'll be a bald, short Italian guy just named Uncle Tony. That's that's very fitting of you. (laughs) (laughs) What do Italians eat? What do Italians like to eat? Uh, Everything. I'm a foodie. I can eat ever. I can eat anything. So feed me, feed me, whatever. This is why I go great with bodybuilding because I can literally just eat all day if I had to. Is pasta your jam? Uh yeah. Yeah. I could I could if I did like ground beef and pasta, like that's my that's my yes that's my stuff right there. You like, have- or like that- or like my favorite my favorite dish when when I was in high school was my sister's just homemade pasta with olive oil and chicken and oh. shrimp. And I was like chef's kiss. Damn. Yeah. That sounds real. That sounds fancy as fuck. Yeah. So what you been doing for the last year, Spada? Uh getting skinny, getting skinny. <laughs> you have actually. Spada's been dieting since like fucking well, he was dieting for a minute. Yep. I was dieting from January 1st to the middle of September. Can you tell us why you I mean it wasn't for a show, but why were you why were you dieting? Uh well, we grew for 19 months and that was quite long. And then obviously. Um, you kind of have to know when to cut your losses in growing phases and my digestion started to just take a hit. And so did my insulin sensitivity. Like my BG was upper nineties, low one hundreds, like at times. And then it, then like my digestion was really off and it was, it was not the right time to keep pushing. We already pushed up 30, it was like 35 pounds within 19 months. So, and a good bit of that came the last like four to five months of that, like for a good solid five months, my weight stayed within a three, a three pound difference. And then it finally went from like 183 to like close to, I hit 199 point, hit 199.2. I didn't hit 200. I was fairly upset that I didn't hit 200, even though the night before I hit 199, I had like 50 pieces of Chick-fil-A nuggets. And I was like really hoping that I would hit 200. Um, and it just never happened. So um, we took my losses. And so we started dieting. Um, got blood work first, obviously, just because we wanted to see where it was at. And my insulin was at like an 11. Um, my testosterone was like a 600 something. Like we think it was higher at a time, but sleep started to suffer because meals just kept getting pushed back. So um, to regain insulin sensitivity and everything, we decided to 
just cut her losses, see what was and see what was underneath. Um, we really didn't know what shape I had or how much muscle I actually put on during that time. Uh, so that's really kind of why we wanted to do it was to kind of just get ourselves in a good position to grow again. And even though it was fairly long to do that, um, looking back at it, but it was worth it because I wanted to put myself kind of through to kind of see how far I could actually take it, even though it wasn't like I didn't get uber lean. And I think that's due to, you know, just some new muscle, a lot of new muscle on my body. Um, also just like my abs suck. So it just so it makes me look not as lean as I, as I was, um, because near the end, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Uh, so, um, yeah. So we were dieting for a long time. Um, and you did have a lot of weight that needed to come off. So hopefully like I was going to ask you, um, you know, do you think your next growth phase will be that long and that extensive? And does it need to be like, cause if it's, if it doesn't need to be, and then you could potentially get leaner for your next mini cut or your next health phase, or your next show, or whatever you're going to do, mm-hmm. like that would probably be a good move, um, to not push too hard so that you don't plateau in fat loss or the ability to get leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're kind of like metabolically digging yourself a hole by doing too much in your growing phase. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, so I think one thing I think a lot of people don't do is they don't do that one growth phase though, where you kind of get a little ugly with things. Yeah. I feel like it it needs to be like the first one. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I wasn't like, that's why I was never too concerned with like body comp, like did I like how I looked when I was close to 200 pounds? Absolutely not. I was out of breath walking up a damn hill. Um, so it wasn't fun at all to kind of be that. I mean, I was eating 4,000 calories a day at that point, but I don't think it's, I think it's necessary for what I needed to do. Um, but now I think I've put myself in a better position where, hey, we can kind of do this growth at a little lesser rate, but still get a lot out of it. Um it just depends kind of how we want to do things. But I think that that's what you need to do. You need to do an ugly one first and yeah. then come down and then take your time on the way to send the next go. Yeah. Uh, I definitely don't think it's going to be as long, um, yeah. but I think it's going to be over multiple, multiple years, probably like another two to three years, probably of growing, which mm-hmm. it pains me to say, but um, um, after dieting for nine months, I'm very much looking forward to to actually like I'm getting back to some good food level now eating a lot. So I'm starting to finally kind of recover from the diet just around now. Yeah. Speaking of, so you said in your peak off season, your 4,000 at 4,000 calories. So how low did your calories get during your dieting phase? Uh, I think on my low days around I, so, so here's where I kind of messed up. I told Mark to push things the last few weeks. Cause I was like, okay, let's, let's just, let's just see what I can do. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to either learn a lesson here or Instant things are regret. Out. Instant and uh, <laughs> yeah, I hit a brick wall still. Uh, but I got down to on my low days, right around 1800. Um, my middays though, were around 2350. And then I had a high day every single leg day of 3000. Um, so it wasn't like horrendous getting to that. It was nice because every single check-in day was every, my check-ins every Friday, my leg days every single Friday. So I got to get like a double dose of like dopamine hit from getting a check-in and then I get 400 grams of carbs. So 
So I was like, so I was good, but those low days were pretty bad. Um, and then cardio got up to four, four sessions of 375 calories, um, which I definitely pushed um, just a little bit. I think just like culmination of having to keep increasing intensity on like the bike and everything started to really kind of just get to me and fatigue just started to round up and push to the end. So, and then with that low of calories, uh, definitely did not help to yeah. actually recover. So my, my, my legs were very much like felt heavy the last good two months of, of that fat loss phase. Not yeah. to, I also hurt my foot. So, so I was like, so that's probably where I probably should have ended things was when I actually got injured. Um, but we kept pushing. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you're right on the money when you said that everybody has to go through that, like ugly growth phase first. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I feel like you have to see how far metabolically you can push it in terms of food, but then also like how much can your digestion handle? Like, because that'll be a good marker of your growth phases moving forward. Um, I think that's like super uber accurate. Um, and a lot of people don't want to push that because they're too afraid to gain body fat and put on weight. And they see their, like, I am the heaviest I've ever been. Like, even though I already had my ugly growth face and I look a ton better, um, but I'm heavier than that. But if I wouldn't have known like where to push in the first early phases of when I started actually bodybuilding, I wouldn't know where my limits are now. And it's much easier easier for me to understand where I would need to stop or when my digestion starts acting funky. Like I can tell now, but before I couldn't, there was no way. I just thought, you know, I'm just going to keep eating and we'll see what happens. You know? Yeah, I mean, I was I was also slamming uh, five guys every single leg day, so I was probably close to like six thousand calories on that leg day. <laughs> so that was pretty that was pretty bad too as well. But um, I think the main difference was I kind of didn't know when to pull back during that. I think that's one lesson I've kind of learned through this fat loss phase, and we'll probably end up touching on like lessons learned and things like that. Um, but I kept just pushing, pushing, pushing. And I did it again near the end of my fat loss phase where I kept trying to push, push, push. And it just never, it never pays out to do anything um, like in that aspect for people, for people. So learning how to kind of dig down and pull myself back and understand my body and learn my body is definitely been like a big, big learning curve. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you were, when you were dieting, like, Cause a lot of people, as soon as they like hear the word diet or deficit, they break like shit. Did you break out bullshit or did you stay true to your diet? In my fat loss phase? Fat loss? Yeah. Uh, I stayed a hundred percent true. Like I, I don't do that. Don't like do that. maybe, maybe like in the off season I was like when I was eating like those 600 gram, like 650 gram carb days, like, Hey, days, you know, like, hey, you know, how much is two grams of carbs going to actually change things? Yeah. Um, but, but like in the fat loss phase, the it was to the gram phase. quality, quality food. Like I was probably spending more money then than I am now on food <laughs> to truly be honest, truly just be because honest. just from yeah. the quality of what I was eating and like the macros I had, like I was on like maybe 40 grams of fat for majority of it. Majority of it. So mm-hmm. then it doesn't give you, um, a good runway with choices of meats and things like that. Like you gotta be very selective over your protein sources 
and stuff. So um, kind of making sure I was in a good boat there, but I would never cheat would never in terms of those things. Um, in the whole nine months, I had three, I had four free meals, four free. three of them were given by Mark. I had one in January. So like the first, like beginning, like, like or February, I won in February that I had with a friend. Other than that, I never had one. And so two of those were actually at Mark's house when I was with Mark, because I dropped, I dropped 10 pounds in a week. So I needed a few free meals to get back up. Did you, did you not have free meals because you didn't want them or because you didn't feel the need, like not necessary. So like there's a difference. So for Mm -hmm. example, um, for people that maybe this is hypothetical, might be dating someone or they have a spouse they want to spend time with. They'd like to save macros for that, or they'd like to do something social. Whereas like, you know, they have things in their life that they would like to experience with someone Um, and so they would, they might ask like, Hey, can I have a free meal every couple of weeks or like once a week or whatever, or however they're going to do it. But like in our case, for example, what I tell people and what I tell Mark too, is I don't really need free meals because if I'm going to go out and stuff, I might have one. But most of the time, like if I'm living day to day, like I don't care for it because I'm just at home, I'm alone. Like, I just don't care. And even if I had a partner, my partner would probably care about look, my partner, my partner probably wouldn't care about that because they're going to be doing what I'm doing. So like, was it that you didn't need it? You didn't want it or like, or like, how, how was that? Cause I think people don't understand the difference. Like you don't have to have a free meal if you don't care for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I treated my fat loss phase like a prep. Yeah. Like this, like I spent so long growing, like I was waiting for it to hit by the time I got to the end. So I treated this as if it was a prep. So I just listened to Mark and was like, okay, whatever. Um, when it comes down to free meals in general, I don't particularly need one. The one time I had one, I ended up just craving the foods that I ended up having. So it's like, kind of like, fuck me. Like in a way, like I was just like, I was just so like, it revved up my metabolism. And I was just thinking about those foods for like a solid, like three days, like afterwards. So it's like, just feed me more of the food I'd rather have. Like I'd rather just get refed and have refeeds rather than have like a free meal to truly be honest. If it's in that case now in off season, would I like a few free meals? Probably. But I also, I also know that my progress comes before what I want. And so I think a lot of people don't understand that now. Some, for some people, they need those meals to progress because it takes the stress off things. Mm-hmm. But like when we're coaching athletes and things like that, like that's where it comes in. So I, so I might program that in for someone might just lower their calories throughout the week to kind of play that off. But for myself, I mean, I, i stayed at home. Like I didn't do too much. Like if I went, like if I did something, I was going over a friend's place to go, to go like sit by a fire or something. Yeah. Like, or go hang out with them. Like it, like I don't have, I don't have friends that want to go out and do those types of things. So like, I'm not tempted to like go out to eat and things like that. So, and they knew how seriously I was taking this, this fat loss phase um, because we did lose a significant amount of weight. I mean, I lost 40 pounds over the course of the nine months. So um, it, I, I don't need it particularly. My goals always come before what I need. Um, that's the way I think about it. Now that might be selfish. 
but like you said, I, I also live alone. I don't, I don't have too much. I was really focused in on my athletes and everything like that, like energy wise outside of training and stuff. So it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad to actually get through it. It's just some days were harder than others, but that's part of the territory. Yeah. I think that sometimes people don't realize the benefit of like, really, especially if you're not going to go, you you weren't ready to go on stage, but you were ready for a fat loss phase Mm -hmm. and to take it as seriously. It shows a lot about how you would operate in a contest prep. If not in the contest prep, you might even be more adherent and more meticulous about what you do, which is cool. Um, because you're like, okay, if I can, if I can do this shit without that, I can definitely do this shit with that. Like, because the motivation is just different, not the motivation, but the why is different. Um, and so it makes your fat loss phase just feel different. But when you put that pressure on yourself, you're really able to see what you're made of. And I'm sure like now you have an idea of what it's going to feel like. Um, it's not, it's not exact, but it, it's, it's similar, yeah. um, especially with how I think how hard you've pushed. Um, for that particular fat loss phase. I think that you really did treat it like a prep, but it is good that you didn't go that far um, because your physique was not literally not ready for it. It's no. not, it's, yeah. and that's, and that's another thing I think people need to understand is sometimes your physique is not ready for that. It's not ready for a contest prep. It might be ready for a fat loss phase, but you're not ready to get that lean yet your body is not going to let you do that without some significant damage to you um, and significant damage to your mental health as well. So, yeah, Yeah, I called it too. Like I, so I told Mark like near the end, like I told Mark, Hey, let's push it. So we pushed the calories down. Um, I think I was doing like 150 gram carb days on my rest days um, and like 35 grams fat or something. And I was like, okay, here we are. (laughs) I was like, here we go. Um, And uh it lasted probably close to like two and a half, three weeks or something there. Um, that was at that point. Um, and then I called it myself because I realized to, to get down to where I would have had like my abs in and everything like my obliques were in, but to get like my abs in, to get my legs in, which is what we were trying to do was to get my leg lines to kind of pop more. Um, I would have had to drop probably another five to 10 pounds and my body was just not willing to do it. And I personally was not willing to do it for how long we were like, if it was maybe like six months in and we wanted to push a little bit more and I maybe had five to 10 more pounds, like five, eight more pounds to get off within, within that time frame, I would have said, Hey, let's go for it. But you're right. It would have, it would have mentally broken me down to the point where I probably would have developed some sort of like something with eating or something at that point where it would have been pretty difficult. And I just knew my body was just not willing to do what it had to do. And just like every single sign was just telling me to stop. And I think that's the biggest thing is I listened to my body at that point, because I mean, I've been really productive the last, the last few weeks, um, in the last five weeks that I've been out of that. Um, and I'm starting to finally just recover now. I mean, I'm roughly 10 pounds up from where I was there which is a safe increase over the last five weeks. So um, to finally get out of like that low one sixties was really, I'm starting to feel more like myself. Like at the end, you're just not feeling like yourself. So it's cool to see that this is what it is going to be like, at least somewhere around like that, that 12 week mark 
out probably that that like 10 to 12 week out mark from from prep um, and being able to see, OK, how far am I going to actually need to push things when it comes down to that time um, and to mentally kind of zone that in. So I know so I know roughly where I would be in terms of getting to stage. It would just be kind of just making sure I lock that in even further. And I think you were right there with the goal. The hardest thing about that whole thing was near the end, there's we didn't have an end site. Like to truly be, I was like, Mark, Hey, when are we like, when are we thinking to stop? And he's just like, whenever the body kind of tells us. Yeah. And so that's not really like an end goal where you kind of have marked. It's a very Mark response. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. I was like, it's like, that gives me a great, I was like, that helps a lot. Um, but it was, but you know, when there's no angle, it is really kind of tough, which is why I also kind of ended it where I was. I was like, Hey, I'm not really pushing for a show anything at this point. So it's like, I need to cut my losses where they are and just start to reverse and get out of this and get healthy. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So like in terms of your coaching, uh, so it's been about a year, which is why for the listeners, like the reason why we're having Sweden on is because um, about a year ago we had him on and it was all about newer coaching and developing a roster and stuff like that. So what's been going on with you for the past year in terms of your roster um, and your transitions, you've had a couple and what is that like for you? And like, how have you moved through that personally? Um, because I think, I think a lot of people think that this shit is linear. Um, like you just keep going up and up and up and everything is just, you keep adding people on and hit no, like hit no ra- wrong turns. Um, but like for you, you had a couple like transitions. So like, how was that for you? Yeah. So I could speak about this cause it's, cause it's whatever. Um, I was with a team before when, when I was on here, um, uh, district coaching concepts, um, just the way that they were going, the way that I was thinking of going just didn't align together. So I just decided to buy myself out, get out of that. And, um, I just started focusing on me again. Um, it was the one thing I was just continually focused in on the dollars. Um, at that point, and it really kind of suffered a little bit, like not like saying my my service didn't suffer because I won't ever let that. That's like the one thing I won't ever let suffer, but just like my mindset in terms of coaching was mm-hmm. suffering. Um, so I kind of pulled back there. Um, and then obviously I focused in on driving my own business, which start I started that up again. And then I transitioned and then um, had Braden on the podcast. Um, people don't know Braden Miller. Um, he's the head coach of Team Miller Elite, and you know we just got to talking. And Dylan was a regular, was a regular guest on like my show. Like we were doing it every single Sunday. Kind of just led to us like really kind of getting along together, us three. And you know, Braden then came to me saying he was looking to add a few more coaches, and he gave me an offer. I really couldn't refuse when it comes down to that and the opportunity that it comes with it. Um, so I signed with them. Um, I joined them in may june i saw i think i specific uh just before my trip to mark i actually agreed so mm-hmm. in june um i agreed we didn't officially start until july the end of july um so been with them for a good few months now um but it's not linear at all i'm still roughly in like that 15 athlete spot it's like that breakthrough spot that's really kind of difficult for a lot of people um I think a lot of people get to like that 10 to 15 mark and you get those 10 to 15 good athletes 
And then like, it's, it's like, you got to just press through that. Um, but I'm really kind of just focusing in on, I don't really care for how many athletes I have. Um, right now, um, I'm still in this game of, I'm trying to just develop my knowledge and continually investing in my education. Uh, I just invested into prescript uh, level one and then also their nutrition course. So um, I'm looking forward to those. Those actually start on Monday. Um, so definitely looking forward to going back and kind of doing college level type courses with anatomy and nutrition. Um, and I think a lot of people like to just say these things are like, you're just going to continue to grow. I think so many people have these false promises and these false outlooks looking at these Instagram influencers that have like a ridiculous amount of followings and then they post out and you can post whatever you want, right? Like you could say you have so many athletes and things like that. You can literally go and grab a photo from online. And if no one even, no one even questions it, you could take that transformation and just post it as yours. Yeah. Like I've seen that happen from a lot of these coaches that have like a ton of athletes. Um, and so I think, you know, I don't think that that's actually right. I think a lot of people get into this falsehood of what, what it's actually like to grow. And it just takes a bunch of time. And especially with the way that I coach, it's going to take even more time because I'm more so a coach on the functional health realm. Um, I don't do a ton of bodybuilders. I have two right now um, that are going to compete within the next few years. So it's like I mainly deal with these health cases that take time to actually get going. Right. Yep. It takes them like five, five, six months to even get anywhere significant. Yep. Right. And significant might not even be like physical significant might be like internal, which yep. will in turn have that physical change with it. But those things like aren't glamorous, right? They aren't the fat guy to six pack abs transformation. Like it's, it's a complete different transformation when it comes to these, when a majority females that I have going through these phases where it's just, it's just rough. So it's a lot it's a lot of energy to put into those things too. So I don't like, I don't really want my roster to be that big until I kind of bring a few people to stage, um, get them prepped and then hopefully build like that aspect of my roster. But I need to keep my functional health side, like in a good spot because of the mental energy that it takes to actually coach that realm. And I don't think a lot of people understand unless you've been in it and you learn it, you don't understand how much mental energy it takes for a coach to actually coach these things mm -hmm. because you're, you're trying to not act like therapists, but they, but like the stuff that gets unloaded on you sometimes mm -hmm. just makes it seem like it. And so I'm kind of learning my boundary too in the last year over where that goes. And I probably have recommended a therapist to every single functional health client that comes to me, no matter what I'm like, Hey, if we're starting, you need, you need these things. And then you need a therapist. I was like, I'm not your therapist. I'm like, I'm here to get you healthy. Uh, I'm not here for you to like, like, I need to know some things, but there's a broad line. Right. There. It's like food scale, gym membership, therapist. Like non-negotiables all up front. Well, I think you're hitting some really, really crazy good points that people are like, people don't understand, especially people that are trying to make it in coaching. Honestly, most people, which is, this is going to sound fucked up, but like most people that are trying to break into coaching will not break in. Um, and it's because it's such a hard industry to get into because you need rapport. Um, and most people aren't patient enough to wait for that rapport. They're not okay with 10 to 15 athletes for six years. Yep. They're okay. They, they want 50 to 70 hundreds of athletes in the first two years. 
Um, they don't want to coach basically for pennies until that happens. Um, and they are thinking in numbers, which I think that you're not And you instead you're thinking, see, I was doing this the other day. I was thinking, okay, like I'm the type of coach I want to be because Mark asks me this, my mentor, Mark asks me this all the time. What type of coach do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a competitive bodybuilding coach, like great functional health. Awesome. But I'm good at bodybuilding. Like I'm good. at, And I know that I know I have it. I can, I can coach males, females, any division. And I understand the eye and understand what I'm looking for and what I need for a physique to build it. That's what I want to do. Now, am I good, decent at functional health? Yes, because that comes along with the territory. But what you're saying is like, I am this type of coach right now. This is where I'd like to be. And in order for me to get there, I need to do this. And a lot of people don't understand that shit. Like they don't even understand what type of coach they want to be. They don't know, like, because they've actually, they don't actually have like practical applicable experience. So they don't know, like, I can tell you, like, I like putting people on stage to the point where I will not sleep and work on a peak. That's me. But uh, some people would rather do functional health or that is their realm where they feel like they're like, that is it for them, which is great too, because there's different types of coaching. Um, But you're like, you have a very good understanding of like, this is the type of coach I'd like to be, but in order to get there, this is what I have to do. Um, And I'm willing to go like the, the long mile and like, take my time doing this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the one thing that I really enjoy, and I posted about um, one of my athletes yesterday, Nicole, Um, I'll give her a shout out because like, like seeing those things makes me like, that's what makes me happy as a coach. Like seeing someone learn to like let go and do these things and internally start to get healthy. And I think obviously it comes from who we are mentored by. I think that also kind of helps in terms of where we'll go as coaches. Mm -hmm. And I've obviously been mentored by Austin Stout for the last, well, next month will be two years. So we know he dominates the functional health realm. He also dominates bodybuilding. A lot of people don't realize that too, but he's kind of the, person I look for like look at in terms of what I want to become like as mean is like a lot of functional health with with some bodybuilding um because I do get like I do get a lot of joy out of the few bodybuilders I do have on my team because I don't think a lot of people understand and I'll be the first one to say this it's a lot easier to coach bodybuilders (laughs) like like you could tell them what to do they'll go and do it Right. And they'll, and they'll see those physical changes like pretty rapidly. Like you'll see those things. And like you as a coach gets charged up so much over those things because like, you know, those plans are getting executed a hundred percent all the time. And so, you know, that's why I kind of like that mix, but I know where I dominate personally. And it's, I think it's due to kind of how I grew up with like being in, being the only male grandchild out of everything and kind of having like, a lot of that femininity around me, like I, like I literally can relate to that a lot. So it's like, I work well with the functional health side majority because I know kind of how to kind of communicate well. And I think that that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand with coaching is a lot of things come down to communication yes, and absolutely. actually being able, and especially in the functional health realm, being able to communicate your ideas and your actions and what you need them to do. Like it takes a lot. and if you don't have good communication skills, 
like forget about even trying to be a coach. Yep. Um, yep. Like I never started as an in-person personal trainer. Like Wait. there's a lot of people that say like you need to be an in-person personal trainer first, like to really be a successful online coach. While I think that I would have benefited from that. I think though working in like bar industry and working with people and like communicating, communicating with people and being able to actually like just talk to people and not and like understand where they're at and understand different situations and how to read the room plays a big factor in your coaching because yeah. if you can't communicate your if you can't communicate effectively as a coach the client's just going to continue to be stressed out and they're not going to make progress it's going to be going around and around in circles well they don't understand your expectations so yeah. like if you don't i mean even in a relationship you have to understand the expectations of your partner and like that has to be consistent. If it's not consistent, then it feels like betrayal. Um, so it's, and it's similar in coaching where like, if you don't know how to communicate, it's crazy that you just said this too, because I was literally thinking about this the other day too, because it's like, if you can communicate effectively, you can be a good coach, but so many people do not know how to communicate. Um, and so it's more so about transferable skills. Like when you have like preliminaries to becoming a coach, I think it doesn't necessarily have to be something super related because honestly, a lot of this is just comes down to communication, but that can also be frustrating on the coach's end, because if your athletes don't know how to communicate to you, then they're not coachable. And it's like, okay, like, so, you know, so you have to, you have to kind of teach people, Hey, like, this is how I communicate. This is how it's going to be for me. How would you like for it to be with you? And even if that goes like, if, even if you have to go the extra mile for a specific athlete. So I have this one athlete who she really needs a call with me once a week. Now, do I give calls to all of my athletes? No, because not every single one needs them. Like some of them I talk to throughout the week. Some of them, we, some of them, I see their training videos every time they train because they're, because they're cool like that. Um, others, I, they give me their check-ins, I give them feedback and they're like, cool. And they execute it perfectly. And then they talk to me. There are some, like, I'm telling you that this one girl who needs, who needs a call. Um, and I've never done, I had never done anything like that for an athlete. Um, just like shoveling out time every week for them. Um, but it's literally, it doesn't even need to be an hour long call. Cause that's what I'm thinking it's supposed to be. I'm like, do you want to talk for an hour? Like, what do you want? Like, that's <laughs> because that's, that's how I think. Right. And she's like, no, I just need like a five, 10 minute call. So we talk every Tuesday at 12 PM and it's sometimes like five minutes. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's two minutes. Um, but she'll let me know verbally what she's been doing. She'll also put it in her check-in sheet, but she likes to have that talk with me. Um, because it helps keep her accountable, but she had to know what she needed because she, if she wouldn't have told me that, like if she wouldn't have told me, Hey, Britt, like, I love your coaching, but I would really like a call with you to hear your voice specifically talking to me. Like I wouldn't have known that. And yep. she would have continued to be uncoachable. So, because there was, there was just issues in compliance. So I was like, okay, like, what do I need to do? So we have a call and now things are perfect. Yeah. So sometimes like you, your athletes have to know, like, I like you, but I kind of need this too. And mm -hmm. you have to be willing and open and able to say, okay, I can do that. Or no, I think that's a little bit too much effort on my ends to do this. Cause sometimes like some coaches don't have the time to do that. Like I happen to have time. So that's where it's going to, that's what it's going to be. You know, I, I kind of hate that excuse there when it comes down to time, like just, just the way that, you know, people operate, obviously it just depends what you do outside of coaching, because if you have 10 to 15 athletes, it's definitely not your full-time thing, unless you're a high ticket price, 
person, which I hope you're not, if you have 10 to 15 athletes for Christ's sakes. Um, but, um, I have an athlete that came to me and I actually asked them last week. I was like, Hey, what do you need for me to make a better service? It was just like a, it was just a question. I just like to put out there like once a month, usually to each athlete, just to kind of see, Hey, what can I do better as a coach to make sure the money that you're paying me is going to where it needs to go. Um, and they responded with, okay, I would like maybe like a 10 to 15 minute call, like once a month would be worth it. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do it then for your sake. Let's hop on a call. Let's just do it once a month. Like it, like it just works like, and it's, and it's just going to bode us well. And I think it, it creates something like the buy-in of the athlete. Like that's exactly what you got out of that, out of that two to two to 10 minute call with your one athlete, right. Is you got the buy-in and you got the compliance down because you adjust it. And I think a lot of coaches aren't willing to, a lot of coaches aren't willing to adjust though to how they do things. Now, if you, now, if you're someone like Mark who has, you know, hundred, hundred athletes, whatever, we'll just give or take, you know, it's probably more. Um, but if you have someone who like, or Braden who has a hundred athletes, then you're looking at time management and you have to see because where your expectations lie in terms of what you have, but those expectations for those types of coaches are already out there because there's so many athletes working with them that you can ask any of them and they'll tell you what the expectations are. Whereas if you have someone who maybe has 10 to 15 athletes, you may not, you may get a more customized process with things like, or if you have 40, 50 athletes, like there's still a lot of room for, for being able to do those things for athletes to accommodate those. And I think that's what ends up leading to you being a successful coach is you're going to the ends for, for your athletes. And that's what brings in more athletes in general from just that person, right. Mm -hmm. Is saying, Hey, your service goes beyond everything. Like, like just even saying thank you, like to the person for like trusting the product. Like if someone, like if a client does really well, like giving them a ton of positive feedback and like just as saying like, thank you for trusting me with things. Like I say that to my athletes all the time. And it's like, they appreciate everything that I'm doing. And sometimes you don't get to hear that a lot um, because sometimes they're, they, they don't like to say that. Like, it's just like a weird thing that I find um, with, with like athletes sometimes, um, but they're really appreciative of the work you put in. And so like, just to be able to pivot sometimes, like you have to be able to do that for athletes or yeah. you're not going to like, it's the same thing, adapt and survive. Like yeah. that's how you do it. So I think you're doing the right thing when it comes down to that. Like that's what it does is creates more buy-in for the athlete. And the more buy-in you get from the athlete, the better the result will be. No matter what your plan can be, whatever it's pretty simple. Like, like coaching, coaching can be fairly simple. Now those functional health cases can be fairly difficult. I have quite a few that are fairly difficult, but it's, but for the majority of the time, it's just because they don't know how to manage some of the regular things in their life. And once you're able to get that buy-in for that, and they're able to like, let go, boom, done. Well, they also, they also need to know, I think for some athletes, they need to know that you're happy with their job. Like you're happy with what yep. they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because if they don't know that you're ha- like, I had an athlete that I had a call with a few weeks ago because this was a completely different athlete, but I asked for a call with her because she constantly felt like she wasn't doing the right things, but she was doing all the right things. And I, so I had a call with her because I was like, I'm here to increase your self-esteem here. Like, and to affirm you, like, this isn't, this isn't a coaching call for me to tell you what to do. This is me telling you that you are doing an excellent job. 
Like, and I can't have you checking in every week. And you're like, I'm failing you. I feel like I suck. I'm not your best athlete, this and that. I don't care about you being my best athlete or the best physique or whatever. It, I don't even think like that. Like, I don't even think that way. So like, I need you to understand that you are doing exactly what I need you to do. And ever since then, even when she's stressed out, she doesn't question my happiness. Like she doesn't question my, cause honestly, like we can say that we don't do these things for other people all the time, but sometimes like, yeah, you want your coach to be proud of you. Like, because you look up to them, like, otherwise you wouldn't have hired them. So yes, like it, it's important for your athletes to know that you are happy with what they're doing. And if they are unsure about that, then you need to find a different way to communicate. Like yeah. you need to find a different way to communicate that you don't need people like to say that you don't need to be friends with your athletes, but part of the buy-in is being able to communicate in their communication style and make, and help them to feel affirmed as a person with you. Um, there's a boundary there. There's a boundary there. There is a boundary. Yes. There's a boundary. Yes. But I find that for those, like, as long as it is not impacting your well being, yeah. like as a coach, I don't, I don't think there is a problem with you talking to your athletes here and there about their life, or even when they tag you on shit, being a little bit more than just reposting. Like, I, I think that's okay if it doesn't impact your mental health. However, if it does, then that's when you have to start drawing boundaries when people start doing like a little bit too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I definitely think that. Cause I've, cause I've kind of let loose a little bit between my boundaries there. And I noticed that those at that, those athletes that it works well with, they do, they do a better job. So I think, so I think a lot of people don't understand that, like developing, developing relationships is, is really, really important here and developing an actual, like a good relationship with your athlete. is not just you just telling them what to do. Like it's you, like, it's not just you like watching their videos and doing those things. Like, like for me, the athletes that always ask me questions that really kind of dive into things, like tell me a little bit more about their life than maybe I need to know but they give me a little bit more details. Like those athletes are the ones that I enjoy coaching the most because I kind of get to see everything in a way, but not, but it's not pressing to where, like I said, they're not unloading, right? There's a difference between unloading Mm -hmm. and telling me what I need to know, or maybe tell me just a little bit more, but those typically those relationships that I develop between my athletes are the better ones um, because I enjoy I mean, I'm extroverted, so mm-hmm. I enjoy that. So like that gives me energy, um, <laughs> even though, even though I literally live like an introvert, like I legitimately you are go really extroverted, like, and I'm so much of an, like I get my, my energy from being by myself and like just doing my own thing. So it's like our friendship style too is so funny because like you're, you're always like up here and I'm sometimes <laughs> like, I'm sometimes like, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> it brings like me getting hype stuff. about cream of rice like yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ooh. well um but things have changed i could say like without a doubt like the way i am with miller now like everything is on the right path where i need to be like yeah, the right yeah. people are in my life like mm. like brain and i and everyone like we're all good friends and, you know, they never say go into business with friends, but this is the same exact thing as we just talked about with our own athletes. Like I'm enjoying life as a coach. Like I'm enjoying life in general. Like 
the fact that I get to talk to Braden and Dylan on a regular, like, and, and Tyler and Alexa and Jordan, like those people, like I get to kind of be around is so cool. And I get to be around like Tony and Steven, things like that. Like they have my back too, with those things. And like, that obviously helps too. And so everything just felt right. Like when I made moves and I think, you know, obviously it's, it's really difficult going through transition with two teams in a matter of a year. Um, it's obviously not, doesn't look great. <laughs> like on my end. Um, but it's something that, Hey, I kind of made the move. Like a lot of people. Quite- things are where an opportunity can lead and I can without a doubt say like my impact's been growing like even though like my athlete roster size has stayed stayed relatively the same I've had people come and go and the people that 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 left and the people that have came in are completely different in terms of the athletes that I want to coach and are the people that I want it's not just like random people like it's people now like referrals like it's people from within the system and things like that too and it's people within miller elite that know those expectations of the team like i'm getting better athletes so like this is why like i said roster size doesn't matter if i have a good group of athletes i look forward to doing check-ins like every single saturday and sunday like today when we get off this i'm going right to do like my seven seven athlete check-ins today and I'm very excited to look at them because I've already been looking at my WhatsApp. So I've already been like, hmm, what am I going to say here? I'm like, I'm like, let's go. So, um, so it gets me amped up to be able to have like those, those athletes that, that like get you hyped to do your job like every single day and continue the education and do everything. So I'm just in a spot where I'm really grateful for things and I couldn't be happier with how like life is going in general like a lot of things could be wrong but mm-hmm. i know with the moves i'm going to be making here pretty soon and things i'm about to be doing like obviously i'm going to be growing now again so i'm fairly happy about that too so i can actually get big so i don't look like a so i don't look like an xl as a tarp anymore um <laughs> that was not enjoyable for for the fat loss phase whatsoever um but you know the things I'm going to be doing, like I got some big life changes here coming soon. So I'm fairly excited to be able to put those things like into action and be able to start to kind of just keep continuing to tailor my life for the better, which is like the biggest part I've noticed in the last year is observe what do I want and what do I like? Um, Because a lot of people don't do that. And it's one thing that stops a lot of people from happiness. Be you. That's like my, my thing. That's my theme. Um, I, I do think that it's a good, like, this is a good, really good point to end. Um, But I just want to like hone in on like, basically what you're saying is that like, you feel aligned, like you feel aligned with what you're doing and what you're doing matches exactly what you want. And it's propelling from there. And so although your roster size hasn't grown the way the way most people would have expected in like, I think that people just expect that once you get better as a coach, you get more athletes, but no, that's not always the case. Like you Mm -hmm. get better athletes that you actually want to work with that actually propel you forward in the, in the industry that you want to break into. 
and your impact over the last year has grown as well. So that's another way to look at progression as a coach is not just in your athlete size, but who you want to work with. Are you actually working with them? Um, and also impacting the industry in the way that, you know, in your alignment that works best. Um, so I'm really, really excited for you. Like, I think that you're on the right track. And I think, honestly, I was talking to Rania about this yesterday. I was like, it's crazy because the people that are coming up right now, these are going to be the people that are here in the next five to 10 years in coaching. And I brought up specifically you and Ash, um, like in different ways though, right? Like in much different ways, like you're talking about, like, I'm good at functional health. You're with Miller elite, stuff like that. Your impact's going to be in that realm. Ash is building her own thing. Might go to a team one day, might not, who knows, like, but she's still working out her alignment. And then me, like I'm obviously on Tominic trains. We have other coaches doing their thing. We brought up a lot of other coaches that are just like, you know, that in the next few years, their names are going to be big in in the industry. Um, and it's crazy to be around it. Like it's crazy to be around like, and have my friendships grow with those people. It's almost like, it's like, it, I don't want to sound weird, but it's almost like when you see, um, athletes like in high school and you're like, Oh, they're, they're going to be something in yeah. like, you know, it's like that. It's like, you start picking out like who you can tell is going to, is going to survive and who's not going to survive. Cause this is a dog eat dog thing. Oh yeah. Like, you have that tough fucking skin, man. Like you have yep. to be able to accept criticism and grow from criticism. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's just important it's crazy <laughs> yeah. but alignment will get you the alignment as long as you stick to it will get you there yeah so well thank you so much uh yeah. do you have anything else that you'd like to say or plug or anything like that no i think it's just you know i've matured over a year i think i've just learned a lot about myself and learned like when i need to do things when i don't need to do things and mm-hmm. fortunately i know when to push and know when to pull now learn that lesson <laughs> few times this year so i'm kind of happy that uh finally learned that one um i'm excited to see what what's going to happen uh i don't really have plugs if you want coaching i guess you can go over to miller elite uh miller elite's website and apply um i will i will shout out my morphogen code because no one else will so use code spade at morphogen nutrition because boy needs to be hooked up with more supplements i'm kidding no i don't um it's the last thing i need actually my package just got delivered while i was in this thing so so oh, I, got my I will let you go so you can go tend to that yeah because i need it it's a big order so um no but i appreciate you guys having me on yeah um it's pretty cool um always love doing podcasts especially when it's not my own to truly be honest um so i really appreciate it and uh yeah thank you guys all right yeah yeah well do you want to do it, Spada? Let's do it. Well, yeah, let's Spada do it. Peace out.